Y se fue. Pelanga, 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 pelanga. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Pelanga in la Sala. And we're here today with a very special secret guest uh, who we'll introduce in a moment. Um, for now, this is Maywee, aka China Tu Madre. Super excited to have her, I can't wait. Uh, this is Federico, DJ Papicultor. And this is Okobo, uh, DJ Pozole. Uh, so, and then today we have a very special guest, Marie Ave. Um, and I would love for her to tell us a little bit about herself, what she's currently up to, including both independent and, you know, what winds up taking up most of her daytimes. Cool, yeah. I am Maria Ave. I'm super excited to be part of this podcast series um, of La Palanga, which I've been a big fan of for a long time. So, um, I... By the day, I am an ethnomusicologist, and um, I teach ethnomusicology to both undergraduate and graduate students. Um, and um, when I'm not doing that, I'm an avid accordion player, and I'm most active with this band called Debo Band, D-E-B-O Band, based in Boston. And we play our own interpretation of, um, of the 1970s Ethiopian music. And tell us a little bit about how you wound up being an accordion player. Sure. So I'm classically trained on the piano. Um, I was one of those classic Yamaha kids growing up in Tokyo, and I started playing the piano when I was three. But it wasn't until I moved to the Bay Area, um, early 2000s, when I um, saw the instrument and, and was taken by the sonority and the, the, the you know, it, it, everything was so similar and yet very different. Mm. Um, and I think certain, like a few different currents um, of musical interests intersected perfectly at that moment and accordion was the answer. So one, I um, wanted to be more social. I was, you know, a solo pianist and I practiced alone and often I played alone. Um, but accordion you know it gets me out there and play with a different people and a bunch of different people and um, also in different styles so you know it sort of um, changed my musical experience from this sort of isolated solitude kind of thing to a very active social practice um, another one I became really interested in free improvisation instead of playing classical you know, pre-scripted uh, music, I really wanted to break out of my own training and my own shell. Um, and so I wanted something that's somewhat familiar and yet um, something, an instrument that makes me a little bit uncomfortable so that I can't just rely on my muscle memory. You know, even if I try to just follow my impulse and play something that comes to, to me in the moment, um, I still ended up playing pieces that I had played as a kid if I tried to do that on the piano. So I wanted to, you know, do something a little different. Um, and then lastly, piano, even though, you know, my, my accordion is a piano accordion, so it has keys on the right side. So it's, ver it, it is vertical, it's not horizontal, but it's pretty much the same. But it breathes, right? It's not, um, piano is, is a percussion instrument, so it's attack and decay, but accordion, um, you pump air into it and it's, it's, it, I used to, you know, breathe while I'm 
playing the piano anyway, but it re you really get to kind of breathe more life into it, hmm. and I kind of wanted to experiment more with that. I never thought about it that way. That, that yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, we have a lot more questions we want to ask you, mm -hmm. but I think you have a yeah. A song I have a bunch of accordion tracks lined mm. up from all over the world, but um, since I mentioned Ethiopia, I'll start with um, an Ethiopian accordion track um, by Firu Hilu, and I'll just yeah. It's called I think Ishuruhu. Ishu Ishu yeah Ishuruhu. Here you go. Tell us about it. 
well, I don't really know much about the man himself, uh, Furuhilu, um, but that was an example of the most common way of hearing the accordion from the 1970s um, recordings from Ethiopia is that it's usually the singer accompanying himself. So it's sort of, you know, heterophony, sort of, um, he's playing a very close uh, melody to shadow himself and add a little, little bit of an or ornamentation. Um, but, it, you know, it was pretty simple, right? It's just percussions and a singer playing the accordion himself. Um, so that, that, I think that's the, the most common way of hearing the accordion back in the day. And unfortunately, you don't really find it very often these days. Um, but what we do in Debo Band is, um, you know, draw on the tradition, but also sort of mix it up in our own way. The contem contemporary interpretation, interpretation. So, um, so it's not a solo voice and accordion. We have twelve um, people in our band, um, so I'm just one of many, many voices in the band. I have a question, actually. Do, mm -hmm. do you know how Ethiopian music ended up having accordion? I don't. But the definitive answer. Um, some people speculate that it came from uh, Italy, right? Um, because of its sort of semi-colonial status. But I think it's more likely that it came through other North African um, countries. Quite likely, maybe Egypt. You know, pretty close. And and accordion was huge in Ethiopia, uh, in Egypt, and that came through, I believe, Paris. So there was a huge tango craze in the 30s across Europe, and accordion, accordion sort of you know traveled with that to to Egypt, and um, so I think that's more likely. But yeah, I haven't heard a definitive answer to how it found its way to Ethiopia. Well, thank you for giving us an excuse to talk a little bit about Ethiopian music. I mean, we're big fans of Ethiopian music. I think a lot of record collectors are. Uh -huh. I have to say that those records are the hardest to find on <laughs> the whole yeah. planet. I think Jacob just found one. I, I still haven't found any. Uh -huh. uh, very, very scarce, uh, beautiful, beautiful music. And, and uh, I feel like it's this music that's just so different from anything else that I've heard. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it, I've been really excited about the, you know, the sound of the 70s, where you can tell there's, a, there's kind of an old tradition, but there's also like, they're really trying to push the sound forward from what I can tell. Which is one one thing that I love about what you what you guys do with with Devil Band because you know it's not just a, from what I can tell it's not just a kind of a nostalgia band you guys are taking that sound and really pushing it and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's really it's really cool to see it I, I actually wanted to play a little bit of a of one of these many incredible tracks actually why don't you tell us a little bit about the album before we, we put on a song you know where can uh, people sure. find it uh, so yeah Devil Band uh, self titled um, our sort of first. Uh, Falling album um, and it came out I think two summers ago, right? Is that right? <laughs> um, and it came out on Sub Pop of all places, which I know I think most people know through like Nirvana. But uh, they're expanding their um, selection, so we're part of the World Music Imprint. And um, so they have a bunch of world music records. Not really. I mean, uh -huh. they kind of started to expand, and then I think they're sort of downsizing again as well, you they... guys were just that good that they had to have you <laughs> <laughs> um, and so actually we just recorded 14 tracks over the weekend uh, last week oh yeah for our second album All right so on. yeah so it's exciting so this is um, this was also produced by um, another sort of Ethiopian musical genius giant and in the contemporary pop scene Tommy T who is the bassist of Gogo Bordello uh -huh. that a lot of people uh, know about. Um, 
yeah, so it, it was, um, it was, it was a big deal for us to, you know, cut this late um, record and put it on the label. And I'm curious what track you want to play. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, I've been agonizing over this decision for a while. I really <laughs> love this album, but but uh, I actually wanted to play this track called Ambassador. Is that? Oh, am I saying it wrong? Or? Good choice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think we get to hear you on that one. So it's true. Cool. It's true. Is that? Am I saying that right? Ambassador. Yeah, Ambassador. Cool. Ambassador, 
Planting seeds with strong roots Yadgalu into trees that will fruit So all can eat to celebrate Yeah, that track kills me. Both mm -hmm. track kill me. So I, I don't know if uh, the listeners could tell. That was actually a transition from two tracks, from uh, Ambassel to DC Flower, which is the bonus track of the album. What's up with that free jazz at the end of Ambassel? Are there? Are you guys like free jazz players? What, what's? Uh, I what mean, is yeah. that? So I mean, Danny, terrible. Danny, the leader of the band, um, Danny McConan. Um, he is of Ethiopian. Um, heritage. He was born actually in Sudan um, in a camp and then he um, moved to Texas, Paris, Texas when he was very little. I believe he was two or three. Um, and he grew up in the States and he did, I think his parents did listen to Ethiopian music but um, as a kid I think he grew up listening more to Coltrane and you know late day, you know, later day Coltrane. He's a sax saxophone player. He plays um, baritone and alto. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, tenor, and um, and I think he was he only made the shift from more sort of freer jazz uh, to Ethiopian music um, when he moved to Boston mm -hmm. for graduate studies in ethnomusicology, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, so that's why I think you hear more sort of you know a little bit edgier avant-garde um, approach to interpreting the Ethiopian melodies. Mm -hmm. And then you take it right to the summer road trip. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Did those tracks go together the whole time, or was that kind no. of a last minute decision? Actually, we never ever play DC Flower live. Oh yeah. Yeah, this was sort of a studio magic when uh, it's a it's a song by our drummer um, Adam Clark, and he had the idea, but we never sort of played it or composed it or arranged it. Um, but we just sort of played part by part and pieced it together and. And then it kind of turned into an like an anthemic summer road trip uh -huh. song. Amazing! Yeah, love it. So, wow. So I'm, I'm, I mean, the, I find the accordion so fascinating because, unlike, like let's say the piano or the guitar, even saxophone, horns, the the accordion is very specific. I think to to specific genres, depending on where you are in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in Colombia, you, you, or Latin America, you think cumbia, so you know, accordion. If you're, you know, in Germany or Northern Europe, you're thinking polkas. You know, if you're in Mexico, you definitely think corridos. So, um, I'm curious about, if you can tell me about, like, was it really, was it, of all places, was it Ethiopian music that was, like, your entry point? And if you could talk about a little bit, you know, where did it come from? How, where how, it's such a just about the instrument itself. Sure. Um, so, from what I know, based on what I know, um, and there might be some um, 
conflicting or contested uh, theories or in fact I'm, I may get some of this uh, wrong as you might imagine enthusiasts and you know aficionados of the instrument are so incredibly knowledgeable encyclopedic so just a little disclaimer at the beginning. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they all want to claim it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the accordion as an instrument was first invented by an Austrian guy. Um, again, there's another scenario, but I think it's more commonly acknowledged that it was invented by a guy named Cyril Demian in 1829. And it was uh, invented as a replacement or substitute for church organ in smaller uh, churches. Hmm. That couldn't afford to buy or, um, you know, place a huge instrument uh, that is your, the pipe organ. Um, and then, but it was really, really simple at the time, and it was just buttons. There were no piano keys. Uh, that so that, that, that came side. much later. It was, I think, actually at that time it was just one side wow. with pumps. Um, and but then it quickly got picked up um, as the, you know people travel with it across Europe and Italy became the manufacturer center and there's one town called Castelfidardo um, that has been the production mecca of the accordion and there are a bunch of shops and you know brands and that's where I got my current accordion made. I was gonna say have you been? Yeah, yeah I, I, I've been a bunch of times. Oh yeah? Wow. And um, when I first picked it up, I of course you know got it used, and I didn't know a thing about the instrument. But once I started to understand what I like about it and you know what I want it to be, then I went to Castelfidardo and found a trustworthy artisan, and told him exactly what I wanted, um, you know what what I wanted in terms of tuning and the the sort of wetness of the reed uh, in the musette setting and the lightness and the size because it comes in all sizes, unlike classical instruments or most instruments it's never standardized it's mm. a very idiosyncratic instrument mm. and there's, there's, there's essentially two different types of accordions right or that I, yeah I broadly I'm... speaking i think you're thinking of button accordion versus piano accordion right it's one the button is diatonic so but you can you can have diatonic and chromatic button accordions oh, okay. like the french accordions mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's chromatic how did you choose yours? Like, how did you um, know what you wanted? So I got into it, the, the, the genre, as you're talking about mm -hmm. specific, right, um, genres that you find. The, the genre that first got me into the accordion was um, Eastern European, sort of Balkan, okay. Roma music. Mm -hmm. um, and so I picked up the piano accordion because that's what they use. Um, and also it's a little bit more common here in the States, I right, think. Yeah. Um, and I later, I sort of became, thanks to you guys, <laughs> I became interested in Vallenato and also, um, you know, being here, you also listen to a lot of, a lot of Norteño music. So I do have also a button, diatonic button accordion. Um, I think I have to say, because Maria is very honest, she can play like every one of these genres. We had a short bit <laughs> Vallenato band, she could play a badass Norteño. She's, She's got, she knows all of these things. But I'm sort of emulating the style on the piano, right? Mm -hmm. And but I don't know how to play the button accordion yet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah. So there, I would say you know there are button accordion and there are piano accordions. Um, and then within the button accordion family, there are kinds that also uh, produce one pitch um, regardless of the direction of the bellows. 
Mm. And then while holding down the same button, and then there there's a type that produces two different pitches depending on the direction of the bellow. Like the harmonicas, right? That- yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, wow. you know, there are a lot of variations within the, huh. the family. And there's bandoneon mm-hmm. in Argentina, and then there's concertina in Ireland. They're all related, but they're not necessarily called the accordion. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. They're so fascinating. <laughs> 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 anyway, I just thought they were okay. The and, kind and, with the keys, the kind with the buttons. Right. And then there, you know, and. And then different places seem to favor different kind of combination of reeds. So depending on the, the combination of different reeds, you get a different voice, right? Um, so, you know, Paris, you hear the musette sound, which has sort of two, um, two reeds that are slightly tuned differently. So that it sort of creates that beating, you know, sort of simmering quality. Um, in the sound, whereas in in the Balkans or in klezmer music, um, you don't have that, and then you have sort of octave reeds together, and it kind of creates a more cutting, sort of sharper sound. So yeah, there's so much in this accordion world. Where do the reeds sit inside the instrument? I wish I could open it up (laughs) and show it to you. (laughs) I do have some photos, so I can, you know, maybe you can. Have to make an infographic for the the webpage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That can be the cover of the podcast. It is worth reminding you, you're you're listening to La Pelanga en la Sala, and we're very, very excited to have Marie Abe. She's uh, the accordion player for very many projects of very many different kinds of music, including Devo Band, an Ethiopian music band based in Boston, and she's a professor of ethnomusicology. And uh, we're going to be talking about the accordion for the next little while, so real excited about that. Uh, what should we listen to next? What do you guys think? Yeah, I want to hear what you guys have. Well, I think, I mean, the accordion, from what I know, the way it came to the U.S., you can tell me, maybe you might, might know, uh, is that it came from Germans and came, at least, it, I've read and heard people, you know, like um, North, um, people in Texas, people on the border talk about Oh, you know, they just learned corridos and they learned how to play and then they heard German polkas and they're like, oh, wait a minute, that's our music. And they knew <laughs> it's the same, almost the exact same songs. Mm-hmm. They just like, but they just changed the style and changed the lyrics, but it's this essentially the same music. Mm-hmm. And, but then I've heard other stories like how it came to Colombia, like a ship crashing that just like washed yeah. ashore some They said that was a shipment from Germany also. <laughs> that's how the legend goes. <laughs> right. I find totally awesome. I love the story of how um, apparently they got a recording of some Colombian going to town on this accordion and they sent the recording back to Germany and the Germans couldn't believe it was a human being doing this to the accordion. So the thing is that uh, maybe you can explain this story to me because I've never fully understood it. So I guess that in Colombia people would hack the tuning. So they, they got a hold of these Honor accordions, but they would hack the tuning and, and just kind of artisanal change the, the key that the accordion is in. And so, you know, Vallenato musicians, they got they got into this more and more. And at some point, uh, one of them, I think it was the Vallenato player for Benoño de Oro, he wrote to Honor and said, hey, I, I would like you to please tune an accordion the way that I need it, instead of having to ask people around here to tune it for me. So can you please do that? And so he sent a tape of himself playing so that he so that he so that they could hear what tuning he needed. But they wrote back and said, 
you know, I think the tape is messed up. I think we recorded it too fast. Uh, so can you re-record it and send it to us? <laughs> Amazing. I, I mean, that's actually pretty common. Uh -huh. um, so accord accordions spread all over the world, right? Through uh, waves of migration, colonialism. And um, many places, uh, people made adjustment, necessary adjustments. So you can just open up the instrument and get into the reeds and file them to change the tuning to fit whatever modes or scalar system they have locally. So, you know, the most notable example is Egypt or, you know, in those Arab music system, they have microtones, you know, the, the tones between, and that um, is actually part of the story that I did for the, the documentary. There's a pretty good um, chunk that explains how, how they had to adjust it. Um, but I didn't know that that happened in Colombia. I've also heard that in, uh, that happening in Madagascar. Hmm. They also have a French style uh, button accordion and they also tune it for themselves. So. That's amazing. Yeah, cool. That's that awesome. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do they wind up switching out the material ever? Will they like local material? No, I don't think smell? so necessarily. Hmm. Yeah. Can I hear one of those? Yeah, so it sounds like you're ready to play something for us, Jacobo. Well, I don't know. We can go. Should we go to Colombia or should we go to stay more local or? I think we just talked about Colombia. So we yeah. Let's do Colombia. Let's do it. So what is it that you're lining up? Oh, okay. I have a 45 here that I, I just found in my own collection. Sometimes this happens where you kind of lose track of what, what you own uh -huh. when, once you start buying too many records. <laughs> yeah, and so this is a 45 from Los Indios Selectos. Oh, wow. And uh, this is a song called Cumbia de Oversky. What year is this from? 1980. <laughs> Para Santa Marta, a ver la fiesta 
Dutch, by the way. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, <laughs> the plot thickens with the violin in it, too? I know. I never <laughs> heard that before in Bayonetta. If anybody out there hearing this can explain this track to us, please do. Oh, yeah, yeah please. Accordion violin calling his phone. Awesome. Oh, you know what? That was actually not, I'm sorry, Los Indios Selectos, because that was on the other 45, and I just assumed it was the same group, but actually it's two different groups on the same uh, single. Uh-huh. That was Los Cholos de Pasto. Los Cholos de Pasto? Yeah. What? But it's, the title is the same in Dutch. Alleged. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, Pasto is at the other end of the country where they don't play Vallenato. Oh my goodness, this <laughs> is so confusing. Strangers, so Los Cholos. Los Cholos de Pasto. What does Cholo mean in Colombia? You know, cholo can mean a lot of things in different places regionally, uh, and uh, sometimes it's, I mean, in several parts, it's, it's a bit of a slur word for indigenous people, actually. Mm. Um, and Pasto is a region that is kind of indigenous, so I, I don't really understand anything about this track. I mean, that's what's so amazing about records, I find, is that you, it just sends you down these incredible paths of, like, curiosity, you know, sponsored curiosity, and sends you down this path of investigation, and mm-hmm. suddenly... You know, you put on your ethnomusicology hat and you start doing lots of Google searches. And, <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun. I, I, this is the best accordion geek out <laughs> <laughs> I've ever been part of. So I'm, I'm going to geek out a little more than this even, because I'm actually going to pull out a book uh, that I love. I very, very highly recommend this book if anybody can get a hold of it. it it's a little bit hard to find. It's a book by Jorge Garcia and Alberto Salcedo called Diez Juglares en su Patio. Uh, what's the word for juglar? The people that travel around playing yeah, with uh, it's a bards? Is that no, 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 no. It's a troubadour. Like mm. a troubadours? Sure. So it's like 10 troubadours in, in their patios. And uh, these guys basically went to the houses of some of the most incredible musicians in Colombia. Uh, I think this is maybe... Let me see when this is from. Uh... In the late 80s, um, and uh, 
the, Alberto Salcedo, who's also this incredible writer, and I think if you find any book of his, you should just get it. He's, he's, he has amazing chronicles about boxers, about vallenato musicians, about all kinds of people. Um, and he has this beautiful, beautiful chronicle of Alejo Duran. And actually, preparing for the podcast today, I was realizing that just like last time we were talking about how uh, Arjuna seems to buy every single fella record that he gets a hold of, I was realizing that for me it's Alejo Duran. I, I didn't realize that I have like 15 different Alejo Duran records and I just keep getting more and more and whenever I get a chance I buy it. Um, and uh, and I want to play this track, but maybe I want to kind of read a little bit of this, of this interview because I love it. He's saying, uh, maybe I'll read it in Spanish and then I'll translate. Uh, he says, lo mío es el estilo. Eh, style is my thing. So he says, mire mijo, desde cuando aprendí a tocar el acordeón, me di cuenta de que nada hacía si no lo ponía a hablar. Cuando alguien me habla de digitación, es como si lo, se lo dijera a un sordo. Es que yo no tengo nada que ver con digitación. Yo soy un acordeonero de estilo. Yo no me rajo los dedos echando a correr las notas, pero le aseguro que tengo mi estilo. Y que si usted me oye tocando desde lejos, sabe enseguida que soy yo el que está tocando. Los otros se confunden. Yo no. So I'll translate what, what, what he's saying. He's saying, eh, Look, son, uh, ever since I learned to play the accordion, I discovered that I was going to do nothing if I was not able to make him talk, make her talk, actually. Eh, when anybody talks to me about digitation, like uh, travel... Fingering. Fingering. When anybody talks to me about fingering, it's, it's as if they said it to a deaf person. I have nothing to do with fingering. I am a, an accordionist of style. Uh, I'm not gonna get my fingers all messed up traveling up and down the notes, but I assure you that I have my style. And if you, if the, you, he, if you hear me playing from afar, you'll know immediately that it is me who's playing. You, you will confuse the other ones, not me. <laughs> wow, uh, let's hear this then. And I, and I really do feel like, anyway, let's just, let's just hear it. So this is a, actually uh, a classic, classic track. It's a, it's a tribute to the accordion. It's a very famous track that he wrote called uh, Mi Pedazo de Accordion, My Piece of Accordion. Ahí me llevan al cementerio este pedazo de acordeón. Que 
de pedazo de acordeón. Ahí mamá. de acordeón. Man, I just just think this guy is is incredible. Actually, let me me ask you what what do you hear when you hear him? I I mean, I definitely agree that if I hear him, I immediately know that it's him and I don't really know what I'm actually hearing. What is this style? (laughs) Well, I can't, I don't know enough about others, you know, accordionists in the style to interpret what's distinct about his playing mm-hmm. but I think I would think that it's it's well one possibility is that just his accordion and it is tuning but um, more than that I think it's it's in the feel and the ornamentation mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a rhythmic and melodic style of playing at the same time uh-huh. and so and then he seems to be a little bit behind the beat like always a little bit laid back and then he does this arpeggio thing in a certain way that that's really hard for me to emulate mm-hmm. because it's for me it's not intuitive to me when I listen to that style mm-hmm. so I would have a hard time if I had to sort of copy his style mm-hmm. um, so that would be my guess but yeah I'm not sure I'm not there's sure. this great story in, the, in this interview that uh, Ale Duran went to the Festival de la Leyenda Vallenata and this is the annual festival to yeah. fake, it's a very fierce competition to find out who the best accordion player in the country is in the world is really in, in this style I know I've been dying to it it's in June right? No, February. I forget when it is right now. Um, but apparently, Alejo Duran arrives to the festival and then he sees Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the Nobel Prize uh, writer, uh, famous Colombian writer, who's also very famously, a, he was a very big fan of Vallenato. And so Alejo Duran sees Garcia Marquez and, and he's like, oh man, Gabo's right there. I gotta go say hello. Although he's not gonna have any idea who I am, but I gotta go say hello. And then apparently he looks up and Garcia Marquez sees him and just runs over to give Alejo a big hug. And it's like, Alejo, man, I've been in this festival for three days and I still haven't heard anybody play properly. And he's like, Gabo, but this is like all the best accordion players are here. What are you talking about? And then Gabo just told him, look, you and I know that, uh, that you, have your, you have your way of playing and this is what I came to hear. So I'm glad to finally see you. Where are we going to party tonight? Wow, <laughs> that's a good story. <laughs> And I also, I also love, I mean, the, this interview goes a lot more into just this really, really deep relationship that Alejo Duran has with, with his accordion. And actually, that's what the song is about. So the lyrics are all about saying, uh, this piece of accordion is also where I store my soul. 
It's where my happiness is, or it's where my life is. Uh, and anytime that I've heard any interview, he really seems to have this like really deep mystical relationship with the accordion. And I have to say, Maria, that whenever I see you, you always have this huge accordion in your back, and I always feel like it's kind of similar for you. Maybe you can maybe you can speak to this, because uh, you know, I mean, this is not a, such an easily portable instrument, but the, I feel like. Yeah, we see I always you see you with it. Like, <laughs> well, and also, and seeing it in front of you. I mean, the last time I saw you tear into that solo at Yoshi's with mm. double band, I was like, you were one. <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah, I was. I was bummed that you missed that. But there were moments too where, like, she was. Maria was just letting it open up, mm-hmm. and the, just the way that it would just expand due to the sheer gravity of you mm-hmm. letting one side open mm-hmm. up and the sound that that would make was like, it's so physical. Right. Yeah. I think um, that the kind of relationship he's talking about mm-hmm. um, is not unusual, and I encounter that the similar narrative over and over when I was making the documentary, the Squeezebox stories. And actually the same guy, so the, the Arab um, accordion story about Lebanese accordionist uh, Elias Malam, uh, Lamam, I'm sorry. Um, he talks about uh, accordion being the only instrument that you hug, mm. right? Um, he has such, <laughs> such a beautiful, passionate way of talking about accordion being so intimate. It's very intimate. And I mean, it is so close. It's strapped right to your torso. And the way you move does affect the airflow, right? So it, it is a left hand um, that pumps the, the bellows. But also, if you're bouncing around, if you're standing up, then it does translate in, in a sort of small, subtle way, but it does mm-hmm. affect the, the sound that comes out of it. Um, yeah, so I think the, the, the physical proximity and the fact that it, that you have almost you know second lungs a pair of lungs or something that, that you control and mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think that's a pretty common sentiment uh-huh. I notice that there's also just a lot of, of lean in the playing and I guess maybe that's although if you talk to classically trained accordionists um, of which there are many there are conservatories <laughs> and there, there are you know they're really beautiful difficult um, music being written as we sp- speak new music mm-hmm. um, and contemporary um, experimental uh, compositions are being written and there are great conservatories in Finland, in Germany, in Italy and they would not approve um, you know unnecessary movements maybe <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in, in their mind. But that's how you roll, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really depends. It's so, too. <laughs> so fascinating because in my mind like growing up here in California and you know listening to mostly music you know, from the side of the hemisphere in terms of music that features accordion I associate with accordion with like you know the common people like yep, it's the yep. music of the campo you know it's mm-hmm. like not in some conservatory with you know, the proper way of playing <laughs> yeah. and, and I, had no, I mean I had no idea that that I even yeah, and, yeah. and again, um, Elias, the Lebanese player, would say, no, this is not a popular folkloric instrument. This is mm-hmm. this instrument takes lifetime to master. Um, I'm a classically trained accordionist. So mm-hmm. it, it's not even just in Western mm-hmm. um, musical con- conservatories. You know, people come at it from different directions, but they're all incredibly passionate and invested. And 
um, they have a lot of claim mm. over it. So, That's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I always wonder because, you know, we have an accordion in my family that I think has been with us for you know, maybe, one, maybe one or two generations, and I always wonder how it got to Indonesia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's incredibly durable, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so that's another reason also I think people have strong attachment to it is, is it has stories, it's, it's an, a fascinating material culture and, mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people try to, oh, there are certain um, recurring, so we spent, Julie Kane, a, a friend of mine, radio journalist and I, when we made the documentary, we spent two years almost traveling up and down California finding accordion stories, you know, enthusiasts, repairmen, performers, fans, clubs, um, from all different ethnic backgrounds. Um, because, and then we found out that it would be a great, you know, trope to tell different immigrant stories, right? And uh, there are multiple cases of uh, unexpected reunion mm. with stolen or lost accordions. No <laughs> and whenever, it's like, you know, a couple of them, when they told us the stories, they cried. You know, just like reliving wow. the moment they finally reunited with their instrument. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, I have to say that I was blessed to see you present some of, part of this documentary and uh, bring in what's his name, Carlos. Yeah, Carlos Mendoza, incredible accordion player from from the middle of California, originally from from Mexico, from Oaxaca, Oaxaca right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it was just this really surreal experience. It was this very very dignified San Francisco crowd. Hearing the most beautiful indigenous music, uh, and uh, I mean, I just I just love that the work that you did in that documentary. Actually, I, w I wanted to ask you where people can hear that documentary, and I don't know if you have like a yeah, I have bit a minute-long um, little preview. teaser preview uh, billboard, um, but you can find uh, so it, it's a 60-minute-long documentary that was aired on various NPR stations across the country. Um, and there are four stories within it, and you can um, listen to the whole thing or individually online at squeezeboxstories.com. Cool. But here's the um, here's the trailer. I'm Marco Werman of PRI's The World. Welcome to Squeezebox Stories, a musical and social history of the accordion. In the next hour, we'll visit Zydeco dance halls and Mexican Norteño clubs, punk rock apprentices and Arabic master musicians, all to discover what's behind the surprisingly wide appeal of this ultimate people's instrument. So the accordion, that's the only instrument you hug. It becomes part of your body. When I carry my accordion, all my shyness goes away. The accordion, it's not just that it's been in different hands or played differently by different people. It's been the meeting place. It's been the crossroads. And man, that sound just hits you. Join us for a musical journey with the accordion. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> so just to remind you where we are, we're with... Uh, Pelana in La Sala here with our very special guest, Maria Bay, gracing us with her presence in the Bay. <laughs> um, so we were just talking a little bit about, uh, about your show, and I know that you've got something from Oaxaca lined up there. Yeah, um, it's not by Carlos Mendoza, um, but it's by another uh, Oaxacan band called Los Yukinos. 
um, and I unfortunately don't have the track name.、Um, but this is the first track of their first album. Should I just play it? Sure. Or should I tell the story? Why don't you play it on the way? Yeah. Tell it later. All right. Yeah, yeah. So、um, again, that was by Los Yukinos, which is a band of brothers and cousins、um, hailing from originally from Oaxaca,、um, but now currently living in near Modera in Central Valley, in Central Valley in San Joaquin Valley in California. And、um, so I met this band while Julian and I were making this documentary. And first, we were sort of in search of just Mexican workers must be playing the accordion, right? So we. Kind of went in there without knowing exactly what we'll find. Most likely, we were expecting Norteña music, but it turned out that、uh, the majority of the farm worker labor force currently in California actually comes from Oaxacan region,、um, not so much in, from the north anymore. And so, what they're doing now is to reinterpret their regional music, which is called Chilena, with the accordion, which never used to be part of their. 
instrumental repertoire.、Mm -hmm. In fact, it was sort of considered as、uh, the instrument of the North, a regional rival, or you know, it just wasn't part of their palette.、Mm -hmm. um, but I think the movement through the, the accordion corridor, right, in nor northern Mexico, sort、mm -hmm. of going into California, and being surrounded by、um, sort of dominant Mexican American population that embraces the accordion as as their their quintessential music. Inspired, I think, them to play chilena on the accordion, which would have been unthinkable back home.、Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a new phenomenon that's happening here in California, just recently, I think, in the past decade or less than a decade. And and what's interesting is that chilena itself has been a migrant music,、um, and it originally it, it's allegedly、um, from Chile and Chilean sailors in search of gold,、um, gold in gold during gold rush. Stopped by in Mexico in Oaxaca, and so that's how sort of you know it stayed in Oaxaca and it got picked up by Oaxacans and been embraced as their own music.、Mm -hmm. Didn't we decide that it was related to the、um, what in Chile we, we saw was marinera, no? Cueca. 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 Marinera is in Peru. Ah, yeah. I guess they're cousins. Peruvians and Chilenos are neighbors, and so they fight about how they're very different, but like they're very similar.、Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, do you want to do a little comparison of cuecas? Why don't we play some cueca and just see if it sounds anything like it? Actually, I haven't heard this record really in a while, but let's just see what it sounds like. Los perlas. 
Cuecas para la risa. And uh, I don't know what this record is about. Honestly, I found it at Amoeba for a dollar and it looked interesting and it looked like two comedians and really every song starts with them cracking jokes, which <laughs> I guess maybe is the way this music works. And then they start, they're talking about how they're going to play an English cueca by Shakespeare, Shakespeare. And uh, it's called To Be or Not To Be, which uh, means to have or they translate. It's like having or not having. So really it's called Tener or Not Tener. And it's just like bad puns really all the way through. That <laughs> But is I'm curious what you hear when you hear this. I mean, um, you know, I don't know if I would directly. So what, what I was... What I understood of the defining um, characteristic of Chilena is this really fast triplet feel. Uh-huh. And this one that we just heard was a pretty much sort of regular tempo waltz, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the Chilena has this like... Mm-hmm. So it might be related, but I'm not sure if it's like a direct <laughs> descendant. But also... Before it got to California, Chilena was never played on the accordion. It was always um, played on the stringed instruments, guitar huh. and violin. Huh. So it may or may not be related. Plot <laughs> thickens again. Yeah. Mm. Again, if you know anything about this, go to the comment section below. We would yes. love to hear anything that you can tell us. This yes. is uh, La Pelanga en la Sala. You can also find us at lapelanga.com. I guess I should spell that right. L A P E L A N G A dot com. Look us up on Twitter, on Facebook, all these things, SoundCloud, we're there. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, what, are, what are we got next? Enjoying this. Uh, so, one of my favorite uh, uses, sounds of the accordion um, is, in, is in the merengue. Mm hmm. Um, And it's interesting because I was digging around here for a second. It, it seems like it showed up that the origins are around the 1850 in the original uh, merengue tipico, so-called mm-hmm. perico ripiao, uh, which is interesting because you were saying that the accordion was, was from early 1800s. So it just it sounds like it didn't take long to cross the ocean and get yep. lots of yep. places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this particular track that I that I picked out is El Cieguito de Nagua. Um, so. If I'm understanding this correctly, he's playing all of this without seeing. Yep. <laughs> um, and this, I mean, look at this guy. He's so, he's got a grin from ear to ear, and it just tears into this instrument, so. Um, Pretty stylish sunglasses, too, and I yeah, guess. Yeah, in this particular shot, he's got some, yeah, he's got some stylish shade action. Yeah, you never really, you notice you never hear, like, bad, blind musicians. Yep. <laughs> Right <laughs> you always buy a record by, you know, <laughs> so you can't see. Yeah. All right, so... So, yeah, let's play this. It's called La, La Bailadora. Sube encanto 
that doesn't make you want to dance, I think you have no soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, one of the amazing, beautiful things about merengue is, as as the you know the saying goes, if you can walk, you can dance, you can talk. If you can talk, you can sing. And this this two four swing literally is just left, right, left, right, left, right. So if you don't know how to dance merengue, just <laughs> just move your just walk to this. And, and that's it. That's all you gotta do. Just walk, relax, feel then it. Let your hips let just let it's all in the knees. So, bend, keep yeah. your knees bent, your hips will go, and you won't be able to stop. Um, so that Probably was dedicated to you, huh? <laughs> well, the song is called La Bailadora, which means the dancer. And I mean, the, the primary reason that I wound up digging around for music everywhere is because of, of dancing to music from everywhere, um, you know, movement is its own language and, you know, one, one day we'll, we'll talk more about, about that, um, <laughs> about more dances and musics together and hopefully, put, potentially we can even put together some videos, <laughs> uh, since it's kind of hard to talk about dance without seeing it sometimes. Um, but yeah, so the, a little bit about the, about that form, um, at least from what I know, you know, I was mentioning it that, that the merengue tipico, the perico tipiao, apparently started uh, early uh, 1800s. But uh, what I didn't mention is that actually the, the accordion was a later addition. Originally mm. started out with guitar. Okay, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, it started out with strings, and then the accordion arrived a couple, just a few decades later and got incorporated. And apparently was very controversial, but you know nowadays I'm starting to think that like any new form of music winds up being controversial at first, especially if there's accompanying dance that people probably think is scandalous. It's yeah. not controversial; they're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> so where should we go next? Yeah. You you tell us, man. Okay, so I think we should go. This is the neighboring island over to Puerto Rico. Uh, there is, you know, Puerto Rico, they have numerous staff, people tend to think of salsa, or even bomba, but there's, you know, or, um, but one of my favorite styles is plena, and there's a style of plena with the incorporates the accordion, hmm. that is also, kind of reminds me of merengue, very up-tempo, very danceable. So I have a, another 45 here from Jose Santiago Vega, Tite con los Reños. <laughs>
that was Musica from Puerto Rico. And, uh, you know, more of the, again, more of the music from the people, not so much from the city. And I just love that stuff. I can, I can hear this all day. <laughs> I just want to point out that at this point, everybody's sort of like moving and dancing. There was a little bit of dancing earlier <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah, if you got room in your sala, dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This is by design. Federico um, and I decided not to have a coffee table because it would inhibit dancing. We <laughs> <laughs> figured if you want to put your drinks down, you can put them next to the cash line. And this is the way it is with media. I guess if, if people have been to La Pelanga, they know, you know, we, the rest of us do our best to make the people dance, but then Melee gets behind those tables and, it, it, you know, it's going to be good from then on. Right. That's how it is here, too. So. <laughs> so I'm noticing that a lot of it has been coming from the, um, the you know, South American continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Obviously, there's just too much accordion music in the world to cover in one podcast, so I hope that we get to do part two and part three to cover the <laughs> yes. rest of the world, oh, because I brought so much from... <laughs> yeah, right, and I'm going to come back just for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. You know, awesome. so I had things from like Turkey and um, Egypt and Bulgaria, but maybe I should just, you know, keep that in a, in a separate um you know, filing cabinet mm-hmm. at this moment, but I think there's an, a fun thing that I can play, which is from Japan, representing my country, but yeah. it's a pop. There was a little bit of a Latin music craze in the 50s and 60s in Japan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there I found a, a song called uh, Ginza Pachanga Dori, and Pachanga, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> is that a Wait, Pachanga? What so, it, is that yeah, a Spanish yeah. word? What uh-huh. is it? Party. It's a party. Oh, so there you go. It is, but it's also a style of it's its own rhythm, right? Oh, There's is it? The pachanga rhythm. Mm-hmm. That, is it? Where is it from? It's Puerto Rico and. New York. I think I want to say it's from New York. Yeah, like uh, like Puerto Rico's in New York, I guess. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so it's Ginza is is a, a city. Uh, I'm sorry, it's is a neighborhood in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, it's known for uh, you know nightlife, um, shopping. It's an entertainment district. Uh-huh. Um, and so it says Ginza Pachanga Street. That's the title. And it starts with some nice accordion sounds. So I can play that just to take this oh, outside of the awesome. continent, but still in the same. I want to make T-shirts that say Pachanga in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So can I is. can I actually just give a shout out? I think if you somehow happen to be in Tokyo, and if you're hearing this, head over to Baobab <laughs> World yeah. Kitchen. Uh, go visit the homie Yosuke. Uh, there's not a better host. He has the best record collection. He has the best food from all over the Caribbean and Africa. And it's just a super homey place. And I gotta give him a shout out again. And to Junichiro and Takeuchi and uh, Hide and all the people that had me over and gave me the warmest welcome over there. So head over to Baobab if you ever get a chance. And they throw such good parties that uh, Federico stayed, you know, like (laughs) decided to miss the last train. And I think I was feeling under the weather and I had to catch the last train home. And in the morning, Federico wasn't still home. (laughs) And we were worried, you know, my parents and I were like, what happened to Federico? I thought we would be back by now. And then we get a phone call from the the nearby police station. <laughs> <laughs> then we're worried. What did he do? What did, you know, did he get himself in trouble? It turned out that he had just lost 
his wallet. His wallet on the train. It was a long night, yeah. Um, <laughs> and somehow he got himself back to the right station, but from there to my house, he it, it was the night he arrived, so he didn't know how to get, get home. I didn't have your address. <laughs> and he only had my name to go with, and um, he, he didn't have iPhone. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly, state police stations don't have the internet. So <laughs> Federico made friends with the police officers there, and and I think you, they use their phone, right? Yeah. Um, and he uh, somehow found me online, and he got escorted in a police car <laughs> to my house. I'm I remember all I got was a text message of a of a photo from of the two backs. Of the two policemen's heads inside right. the car with like peace signs. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I was like, "What did you do?" That yeah, was that was the best, best coming home from a party at Bell Bob. But I'm convinced that actually they loved your voice on the phone and they just had to go meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if this is your kind of night, go to Bob. Yes, in, definitely. In All Tokyo, right. and check out Pachanga. What? This is Ginza Pachanga. Oh, <laughs> yep. あなしだけれどこいがめばえ胸がしびれお別れは真夜中のキスわ教えてあげようかこんな街それがそれがパパパチャンガパパパチャンガパパパチャンガ銀座パチャンガ通り
Panha bonita, bupoi de pa diante Panha rostoa, bupoi de pa trás Ai, tirveiro, parcia na mundo Sorari da If you want to hear more Funana, we probably have the only blog, I think, you know, in the internet verse that has Funana <laughs> records. So if, you, if you're digging that, go check out our blog and we got a couple posts there. At lapelanga.com. Yeah. And once again, this is La Pelanga in La Sala and we're blessed to have Marie Ave from uh, Devil Band, professor of ethnomusicology with us. Yeah, so you're the perfect person to ask this question I'm dying, I've been always wondering is, especially about accordionistas, like why, I've always noticed they are the front person, at least every band I have, they're the one that is singing, at least I mean, they should is, be always the front person. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, with Fayanato Cumbia, sure. they never, just the person off to the side, they're the one that's singing, and I'm just, I find that's really fascinating what the connection is with being the person holding the accordion and the person singing. 
That's a huge question. I don't think I have an answer to it because there are clearly, you know, exceptions as well. I'm sure. Um, and, and but we did start this podcast with the accordion example、um, from Ethiopia,、mm-hmm. which is also you know, the singer accompanying himself.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in the style of music, where、um, well, I don't, that's a, you know, I you know, there's I can sort of guess <laughs> and hypothesize as much as I want. I don't know. I can really you know. I feel like if you're, you're you provide play, an you, answer, it must come from like you're playing the instrument. You have to, you must feel compelled to sing and to I sing mean, with just, it or play. You know, like, I think similar to guitar, it's portable and、um, you know you can stand up and and, it, and it's, you can also move around. You can dance. You can go into the the、um, audience, and so you're not really stuck to an amp or to the drum set、um, or a big you know upright bass. Um, so that might be one thing.、Um, it also requires a, a knowledge of melody and harmony, basic melody of harmony, and so maybe it is that the front person、um, who's strong, a musical, you know, front man, <laughs> happens to maybe the, the person who's most versed、um, in that instrument because it's、Seriously? a one man. It's a bit like a midfielder. It's like a one-man span, right? You have to be able to play the the melody and the accompaniment. And if you can sing, that's all you need. You don't need a band. You can just get paid by yourself <laughs> if you're really good.、Um, so I don't know.、Um, but there, for example, in devil band, you know, I'm sort of just one of the, the many voices. And、um, and your Haitian record, well,、right. we didn't get to to hear it, but on the cover. Accordion is always there, but sort of in the in the background, it's not. Right in tapu tapu tambo. Right. So they have an accordion player, but he, 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 I'm always so disappointed because man, he's there and I want to hear him like at the forefront, but it's always the like the guitars. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that actually in in Vallenato, often there's these partnerships between a singer and an accordion player, and they're, and they're separate people,、sure. and often. The record will only say the name of the singer,、mm. or it will say the name of the singer and the accordion player, and it's these fascinating like lifetime partnerships. Interesting. And,、uh, you know, they're like couples, and all of a sudden they'll break up, and then the accordion player will leave the singer for a different oh, singer. Oh, fascinating! <laughs> I also, I mean, it it could be that it is a wind instrument in a way, right?、Mm-hmm. That as I said, but it doesn't require you blowing into to your instrument.、Mm. Um, so you you can't do this call and response between your voice and another voice that you're sort of pumping air into,、um, which you wouldn't be able to do between your voice and clarinet or you know something like that.、Um, but I don't know. I we, we can keep guessing. <laughs> so fascinating. It kind、yeah. of that kind of leads me to another question, which I didn't, didn't intend on asking, but just. I feel like、uh, among musicians, there's always kind of stereotypes. Oh yeah, stereotypes. Oh my god. Clarinet still looks like this, and the bassist still looks like. So, what is that for accordion?、Uh, well, yeah. I'd like to say it's like the the new sexy instrument, <laughs> but、uh, which I think is true, especially hey, in the Bay Area. I hear there's some、uh, accordion babe calendars out there. <laughs> <laughs> there is the pinup calendar. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> But、um, yeah, I mean, you know, women are reclaiming the instrument,、um, and I think that there are women in the Bay Area, in particular, who are sort of claiming it as this sort of sexy thing. But 
Um, normally, I think in the United States,、mm-hmm. um, it's it's. Definitely one of the dorkier ones, and there are a lot of terrible accordion jokes. So many. Like, yeah, you get made fun of. You're, you're a sort of corny, dorky polka player. As if polka is bad music,、right. you know? I think it's associated with like Weird Al Yankovich. And, like... Even before, it's actually Lawrence Welk. Yeah, I think Lawrence Welk.、Yeah, uh... That always really bothers me about this country because I, I love、know. the accordion、yeah. and I don't understand what this country as, has against as, the accordion. As far as I know, <laughs> the United States is the only place where、yeah. the accordion has this bad reputation. Yeah, what are we talking yeah, about? I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, even Mao, who you know, forbade all Western Instruments during the Cultural Revolution allowed the accordion. There's so many amazing photos、wow. of girls marching in this long line. Everybody playing the accordion with like a Mao you know, banner in the、Red、background.、Accordion. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and would you'd also say it's very,、uh, in, the, in the United States, but worldwide, it's definitely found to be a male dominated. Traditionally, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I was gonna, I, that was gonna lead me to my next question, which is like,、um, maybe it has something to do with this or not, but、uh, you know, I'm wondering about stories when you either shock people or surprise people, like, what's gonna be a little or what you did with it?、Um, so, this is not gonna be the juiciest anecdote, but.、Um, <laughs> we can save that one for when we turn off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I have two. <laughs> Speaking of censoring. <laughs> So, the short, juicier one is that I have been asked by a fireman to play the accordion only in my orange tights. <laughs> Whoa! And did he have a particular piece in mind or no, anything? No, just, just the accordion in the orange tights. Wow. <laughs> like, in his living room or like. It was somebody's living room. Okay. The request was made. I won't, I won't, I won't say whether it was met.、Oh. <laughs> so that's a juicy one.、Um, and then the, the, the sort of tamer story, but、um, the, the most,、um, most surprised look that I've gotten by playing the accordion was right after I picked up the accordion. This tiny portable white one, much lighter one that I still use as、uh, my street gig accordion.、Mm-hmm. And I keep it in Tokyo because I often participate in、um, street protests and, and I'm active with this group that often uses me as the, the sort of accordion accompaniment、mm-hmm. player.、Um, so I decided that this is before I even really figured out how to play it.、Mm-hmm. Um, That I want to go on an accordion journey starting in Croatia. Oh, I'm sorry, Serbia. And go through Croatia all the way to Portugal and sort of sample different accordion styles、um, and see what I resonate with, what I want to pick up. Was it like listening or like jamming with musicians as much as you could?、Uh, both. I mean, I was just sort of, you know, young, ambitious, accordion obsessed girl with like. Actually, two pigtails at the time. And,、um, and I think someone, and I was just taking the train and I was, I was by myself. And I was on the train, slow train, coming from Serbia to Croatia. And I was visiting my best friend in Croatia at the time. And something happened with the train where I had to get off and wait in the middle of nowhere in this sort of rural train station for hours for the next train to come to get me to Zagreb. 
And um, so, you know, I have this new instrument that I don't know how to play, so I, I might as well just practice. But the combination of this, you know, Asian-looking girl with two braids playing the accordion on the platform in this rural area, Croatia, was like, it must have, the rumor must have traveled pretty fast because I had a pretty good crowd, and even though I didn't know how to play very well, I, I made pretty good tip. Wow. Were you playing Balkan music? I don't even know what I was playing. <laughs> I, I think I had like two songs under my belt at the time. Um, but yeah, I was, I think, a spectacle. And, and the cognitive dissonance of having an Asian girl playing the accordion, which I think most of them must associate with Ro Roma musicians in that area. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you definitely uh, surprised the the local Colombian community by busting out Vallenato. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> so, with that, I think we're going to wrap up and we're realizing we're going to have to do this again because there's just such a wealth of music that, you know, we've got a long queue. What we'll need to do is uh, accordion. Yeah, number two, number three. Yeah. 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 And next yeah. time you have to bring your accordion. accordion. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> spaced out. <laughs> yeah. So I can maybe demonstrate how it works better this time. Yeah. Sounds good. And also, not that I, not that I imagine you have lots of free time, but this is an open invitation. If you ever want to give us a guest post on lapelaca.com, oh, thank just, you. Uh, tell us some kind of story with them too. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. Great. Awesome. So. Um, I Oof. figured we would whet the appetite uh, for a, a, a later episode where we might travel to some other parts of the world. We've kind of concentrated a little more around the Caribbean and Latin America this time, I would say, just in general. So maybe something that takes us further out and, and does something quite different. And this is where I'm torn between whether to go with the populist taste, you mm -hmm. know, that we've been kind of talking about, and but stay in the Eastern Europe where we just talked about there is a, a, you know, genius, virtuosic genius from Bulgaria, whose track I can play, or I also feel sort of responsible to educate the, you know, non-initiated accordion listeners that it's not just popular and folk uh, music, and there are a lot of sort of edgier, interesting, more experimental music that also uses the accordion. Um, so which way should I go, guys? <laughs> Vote, vote. <laughs> I, I say Bulgaria, and then and then we we play that other track. I want to hear that too, but we, we can maybe save that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm curious. We'll make we'll make the other track be the outro. How's that? All right. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So I'll play. But just to say that we would love to hear it and spend like an hour geeking out on that. I stuff. know. Yeah. We could, if I weren't flying in six hours. <laughs> yeah, by the way, thank you so much, Maria, for making yeah. the time. Oh, yeah, of here. course. Thank you for having me. This is oh, great. I'm, like, I'm having more fun than I thought. I knew that it would be fun, but this is way more fun than I thought. Um, so I'll play uh, a tune um, by Petar, uh, Petar Larchev. I don't know the Bulgarian. Um, Ralchev, Petar Ralchev is the Americanized pronunciation, I guess, from Bulgaria. The track is called To the North of Bulgaria, and maybe the outro would be by Fred Frist, with whom I had the honor of playing um, his record from 1979 called Gravity, which was one of the first sort of avant-garde 
dance records um, and it was influenced by all sorts of different musical practices around the world and field recordings which was really innovative at the time and uh, the outro track will have a little fun um, Eastern European inspired improv section by Lars Holmar who's this incredible Swedish um, accordion player so I'll play those two yay Awesome. As, uh, to leave you guys with. So here it is. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah, this was the best accordion geek out session. I said this three <laughs> times already, but I can't wait to do it again. So, really open invitation, you know. Thank you. you know, that yeah, yeah. Great. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>